You're listening to the Morning Relay, rotofanatic.com's daily breakdown to the fantasy baseball round. I am your host, Michael Govier, at MJGovier on Twitter. And today it's me and Paul Mamino, very own Rotofanatic writer and data visualizations expert. You know him if you read our website for the GPS report. He just did one on Corbin Burns. And Paul, it's good to have you here. How, how about it? How do you feel about that Corbin Burns article? Because he's been on a tear lately. I um when I like actually looked at his numbers like he was probably the one of the most and I mentioned in the article the most changed pitchers from the year before from any of the guys that I've looked at like usually there's some small changes but I mean he has completely overhauled his pitch mix and it's working so yeah I mean I I read the article but I also full disclosure I edit it I look <laughs> so I do read it though I have to read it but uh yeah the interesting part you mentioned about how he abandoned basically the four seamer and really upped his usage on the uh, cutter and sinker. Yeah. Sinker. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He, he pretty much turned all of his fastballs into either cutters or sinkers. So he pretty much just completely changed away from a pitch he threw over 50% of the time. It's pretty much zero now. So it's just a really interesting change. Um, watching a guy like him, a young pitcher who's had success in the past, completely change who he is. So do you believe uh, in what you're seeing then? I mean, obviously, you mentioned in this article, we're witnessing the breakout now, but uh, is this really going to boost his value to maybe like a top 70 overall player next year? I think it's going to be hard to to fully buy in, but I mean, I, if if I had um lined up, I think I would take him over Woodruff next year. And Really? I, I, I think I would. Um, just because I think whenever I see some sort of a change like this, I, I really want to buy in. And he he's really locating it well um as, as i talked about in the article he doesn't he's really not throwing fastballs over the middle of the plate at all um he's keeping it down he's keeping it to the corners and while it's not necessarily changing his overall like whiff profile it might be making it a little worse it it's helping him control uh bad contact really well which was something he struggled with last year <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> awful last year. Everybody yeah. knows the story of Corbin Burns, but he only gave up one hit in the start against Tiger. So you're on to something there. So, yeah, yeah, this is not the Corbin Burns show, but, uh, yeah, that's a good article. Check that out at rotofanatic.com. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at roto underscore fanatic. We welcome your follows. We share all of our content. We got a closing of marks coming up on Sunday. Mike Carter scours every bullpen, all 30 bullpens. He, he breaks it down in detail every week. So check out that because bullpens are always a mess and you need every piece of information that you can get. But Paul, let's turn our eyes and our ears towards Thursday's action. Uh, right off the bat, I got to say the thing that struck out most to me, Dylan Bundy. I mean, Dylan Bundy has been good, but he struck out 12 Rangers and maybe this is not, um, how should I say this? Uh, <laughs> surprise because the Rangers offense is God awful, yeah. but still, 12 K's is 12 K's in a seven and a third inning dominant performance. Uh, how do you, how do you compare Burns and Bundy? Really? I'd actually be curious about that. So both of them are guys that, uh, and, and I've actually covered both of them. I think Bundy was the first, uh, GPS location report, but he is, he's top 10 by my ERA estimator. Uh, it's really buying into everything that he's doing. Um, he's made some changes where he's throwing his slider a lot more. I think that mainly because Burns is younger there's, there's probably some more upside. I mean, this is probably not necessarily that Burns could be much better than he is. I mean, he has a sub two ERA, but Bundy is probably about as good as he's going to be with this, where Burns, there's probably some room for him to grow and, and kind of keep this up consistently. I mean, I'm, I was been curious on 
where people are going to draft Bundy next year. I mean, this kind of feels like similar to like a, a Giolito breakout to me where we moved him up a ton, but Giolito was a lot younger. So he, he was drafted probably a lot higher next season, but I am, I am all in on Dylan Bundy. And I really think even though, yeah, this was not the best lineup. He has had a few weaker lineups in the West that he's faced, but I think that he's legit. And I think that he's going to carry this through. Well, that makes me feel good. You know, it's funny you mentioned Brandon Woodruff too, because in my home keeper league, I have Woodruff, Burns, and Bundy. So I got, I got. It's not a bad situation to be in, but Woodruff actually seems like the odd guy out right now towards twenty twenty one in dynasty leagues. I think that, I, I think that I'm a little harder on Woodruff sometimes than I need to be. I, I don't, I didn't like him at his price this year. I think he's a good pitcher. I think he's going to be a good pitcher. I just didn't want to pay the price that you had to to get him. There were a lot of guys going around him that I thought were better. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the Brewers pitching in, uh, what it's not Miller park anymore, but Miller park, um, you know, that that's a tough place to pitch. And I'm not a huge, huge fan of their pitchers if I can avoid them. So I've not been all in on Woodruff, but I definitely think he's still a good pitcher. Um, he might be more of an own in dynasty over a guy like Bundy. I, I really don't know how to rate Bundy cause he is, you know, he's what 30, 29. He's, he's on the higher higher side of things for a pitcher yeah. well that's so, true. yeah i think he's a he's 28 i think but okay yeah he's older he's a little older yeah. than woodruff and burn so. the the thing with bundy though is that he he's been around forever so i think he seems even older than he is i mean he he's been up since i think 14 or 15 something yeah, like that Yeah, he was the uber prospect he's still yeah. only 27 by the way he's still oh my god yeah. jesus christ all right yeah 28 yet so. that actually makes me feel better maybe he'll uh he'll be a little higher in drafts next year right yeah i think he should go but but you're right. Yeah. He's been part of our lexicon for <laughs> the whole yeah. decade. <laughs> he's like the guy that you you think is, you know, it's it's like uh, I've seen a lot of things floating around like DeGrom and Kershaw are the same age. And it's like mind blowing to people like DeGrom yeah. got a late start. Kershaw has been around forever. So we think he's a lot older than he actually is. And I guess Bundy's kind of got that thing going on. Yeah, that's true. There's no doubt about that. Uh, other good pitching performances yesterday. I mean, not as good as Bundy's, but uh, Jack Flaherty. Pitched all right. Uh, he was only able to go five innings, though. He had 95 pitches by the fifth inning. He just doesn't seem to be as efficient. And I think if he could have kept his pitch count down, he would have been able to go longer. So I don't think they were limiting him as much as the early start since he's returned and they had the whole revamp from COVID. But uh, what do you think of Flaherty here, rest of season? Uh, we're just training wheels still, or is it just he's just not pitching great? Because last start before this, he got blown up. I think that he's... I think that they're going to kind of let it off now. Um, like you said, he got up to 95 pitches. So that's definitely something that you can go deep into games with. Um, once you're at 95 through five, like it's really almost as bad as, you know, seven with 110 or something like that. It's it's a lot of pitches and in innings. Those are things that I try to, as a pitcher, that was more taxing than just throwing a lot of pitches. Um, so I think that he's, it's positive that they're letting him go a little deeper, but I think that, for a lot of owners, this is almost a lost pick this year, unfortunately. I mean, you spent a lot to get him. <laughs> you did. You spent a lot to get him. They're, You're right. They have a lot of games left, but he's not going to be able to pitch in all of them because there's a lot of double headers. There's a lot of games, you know, back-to-backs. So it's a little bit unfortunate, and I, I'm curious to see where he goes next year in drafts. But I think as a pitcher, he's kind of the same guy. There's He's not as good as he was last year, but he's not, you know, horrific. So I think it's more like 2018 was. Or he's a pretty good pitcher, not a, not an absolute star, but I think that he can still ascend, still ascend to that range. Shaw Manaya is not an absolute star, but he 
produced Starlike stats yesterday. I mean, the strikeouts are never there. They're never going to be there because he's Sean Manaya. Yeah. But he only gave up two hits in seven innings, no walks. So that's outstanding whip. But um, there were a lot of hard hit balls. If you look at the stat cast, there's yeah. a lot of little fire flames next to Sean Manaya's name in the stat cast data. So, I mean, that's what he does. He does. He's supposed to give up weaker contact, though. But that's not really necessarily what happened yesterday. I don't. I don't buy into what he's doing as much as he's just getting maybe a lot of breaks. Yeah, he's he's kind of the prime example of that um, playing with fire kind of guy. Those those pitch to contact types. Like, there's reasons why he's he's had success in the past, but just when you don't get a lot of strikeouts and you don't get a lot of whiffs, you're going to give up a ton of contact. And if that contact is hard contact, some days it finds gloves, and some days it ends up with you know eight runs in four innings. So. He's kind of the guy that in fantasy, it, it's hard to trust him. I think when he came back last year, the, the K's were up a little bit late in the year. Or, you know, he's he's had some stretches with a lot of K's, but it's really not uh, not been sustainable for him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, between all these pitchers yesterday, Manaya's numbers stood out, but I definitely, he's like, he's bottom on my ratings list. I mean, Brady Singer, who had an outstanding start, shutting yes, down Cleveland's offense, which again, Cleveland's offense is like Texas's offense. I mean, it's they've not been playing better bad. though. They have been playing okay. They've been better playing better. Late. Yeah, <laughs> this this series has gone to hell. I mean, they yeah. people probably saw this late in season. Okay, so it's we're a couple of weeks left before the season ends, and you're looking at the schedule and you say, "Oh, all right, we got a nice four game series for Cleveland against KC. That'll be a good matchups for all my pitchers and for the hitters, right?" But it's it's actually beyond the Zach Plesac start on Monday. It's been the opposite the rest yeah. of the series. But Brady Singer is a guy that I think we all know has a pedigree. He's a first-round pick. He's a stud. But this was by far his most outstanding start. Eight innings, one hit, two walks, eight Ks. And he threw a lot of pitches, too. They, they kind of let him go. Um, I was surprised to see that. But it, the hard-hit uh, contact was limited to not many at all. He had four hard-hit balls overall. So Brady Singer is awesome. Uh, what else could we add to the, the mixture here beyond that? Well, Singer's had a really tough schedule. Um, he's gotten the White Sox a few times. He's gotten the Twins a few times. And same thing with uh, Chris Bubik, the other um, young pitcher for the Royals. They've they've lined up against some really good offenses, and I think it's going to make their end-of-season numbers look a little worse than they deserve to be. Um, but the thing with, with Singer seems to be when he, he's had three games this year where he's influenced uh, swinging strikes over to he's at 10% swinging strike rate or more. Yesterday happened to be one of them. All the other games, he's been in the nine range, and I think that that's going to be the key for him because he locates really well for whiffs, but right now they're just not coming. And I don't know if that's a function of facing you know, the better hitters that he's faced early on in his career. I don't know if it's a function of his stuff isn't quite big league ready, but I think that when he does start to, you know, when the expectation and the reality catch up to one another, I think he's going to take a huge step forward. And I think that when you see he can have these kinds of games when he does influence a ton of, it does get a lot of swinging strikes. Well, it also warrants that he had a no hit bid going and that's yeah. probably why they let him go to 119 pitches. It was broken up in the eighth inning, but obviously singers a stud. Uh, I love his game. And he's also one thing I've learned about him by doing a minimal amount of research. I'm no hero. I'm not an expert, but uh, he's a real gamer, apparently. He, yes. he loves to compete. Uh, he's a bulldog on the mound, and I like guys like that who want to be on the mound and have the ball. Yeah, he he definitely has that ace mentality. Um, 
I was talking to a friend of mine as, as he was at, you know, almost 100 pitches through the seventh or was through 100 pitches. And my comment was that exact thing, that he's not the kind of guy that you're going to be able to pull off the mound. Um, I wouldn't be surprised since he went, you know, 120 if they push back his next start or they skip his next start. There's really no benefit for them to to keep running him out there. So yeah. he's definitely – it's something to pay attention to. Like they might – honestly, they might as well shut him down or something like that at this point because <laughs> <laughs> they're not going anywhere. So be That's careful with point. that, you know, going forward. You're right. The party could be – that's that's a good point. Yeah, they might uh, say, all right, that was fun. Let's uh, yeah. shut it down until 2021. So something to be cautious of if you're making a run right now in a head-to-head playoff or something and you're relying on Brady Singer, that might not be yeah. the case. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. It's a good point. I, I would expect more of a pushback than complete shutdown, but either way, you might not get him you know, five days from now, I guess is the point. <laughs> you're right. His effort and how impressive he was today may have cost him more yeah. opportunities. <laughs> it's weird, fan. but it's the truth. <laughs> yeah, you're right. As a fantasy manager, you're like, oh, yeah. damn it. Well, yeah. that's how it goes, though. He he looked great, though. So at least if you're in a dynasty league and you have Singer, you can take comfort in the fact that you have an outstanding pitcher for the foreseeable future. All right, you listen to the Morning Relay, rotofanatic.com's daily breakdown of fantasy baseball. It's me and Paul Mamino going toe-to-toe here talking ball. And I'll tell you... I don't like him as a player, but Michael Franco is uh, he's on a roll right now. He does this. He goes on these streaks and he had a five RBI outing with the homer yesterday. Three for five. Um, I don't like his profile. I never have because he'll go so ice cold, but he is the kind of player that can give you value in short bursts. And if we're again talking about the stretch run of the season here and playoff considerations and championships are on the line. Franco might be a guy to target and just ride the hot hand until it goes bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with you. I've been pretty against him most of my uh, fantasy career. Um, I mean, he's he's playing. He's actually doing pretty well this year, hitting 270, seven home runs. Um, He's I I just quickly looked at ESPN's player radar because that was the fastest one I could find. He's 21st in at third base or third base eligible players there. So, I mean, he's definitely been able to provide some value to anybody who did draft him as late as he was going because he was pretty much free in drafts. Um, but, yeah, it's just such a streaky profile. It's a really hard profile to to um, value and to actually take chances on because, like, if you were looking at matchups, you probably didn't play him this week facing Cleveland's pitching staff. So it's, it's just a matter of, like, he, he does this in bursts, like you said. He's been pretty good, though. I mean, there might be some owners who've been really desperate, and he's been in the lineup every day this year, and they've been pretty happy with what they've gotten out of him. Yeah, well, hey, if you're one of the fortunate few, congratulations. This is his second three-hit game of the series. So, like yeah. I said, he's he's riding high. So yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go there, but uh, it does warrant mentioning, and we got to do our due diligence on this show by respecting people who are playing well. Uh, I did want to mention real quickly, Aaron Savale uh, was – he was decent in the start. It wasn't his best start of the year by any means. He didn't give up all the runs. The bullpen kind of blew it open later. But uh, uh, Savale, any concerns uh, rest of season here? I mean, it's, it was a, it's a decent start. Sometimes you can't yeah. be the most dominant pitcher, and that's just the way it goes, right? Yeah, I think, um, I think everything he's done this year has been kind of positive. So I think that even if he's had a, a down start, it's not exactly something that you're going to cut him for or bench him for. I mean, he, he's not going to be a huge strikeout guy ever. But his strikeout jump this year seems to be tied to locating a little bit better. Um, his expected, you know, expected swing strike rate based on my numbers have been is, is about a two percent higher than it was last year. So that that's kind of tying into 
So when the expected goes up, the actual results go up, even if the stuff doesn't really uh, warrant an improvement. So I think mm -hmm. that he's a guy who's um, who bases everything he does off location. But one of the only trade-offs when you do locate a little bit better for whiffs is you tend to locate a little bit worse for uh, contact quality and things like that. So I think that while he's going to generate a few more whiffs, there's going to be a little bit more of a playing with fire kind of a mentality. Not necessarily that it's like unattainable and that he's going to be terrible because of it. It's just the trade-off when you go for whiffs. The trade-off when you go for whiffs. That sounds like a great like book title. Could be the Aaron Savale <laughs> autobiography. All right. Well, hey, I'll tell you what. The player that I like and I deserve credit for ripping on because I picked him as my bust, I believe. We did our uh, Dark Horse bust, Cy Youngs, and MVPs, all that at the beginning of the season on rollfanatic.com. I picked Raphael Devers as my bust, and uh, that held serve for a while, but he's changed his ways, and he's come around. He was chasing a ton. He was really scuffling. He just became your classic struggling hitter through the first month or so of this season, or whatever you want to call it. But he's been on a roll lately. We, we talked about him earlier in the week on this show, and he had another home run yesterday, three for four. He's good. He's a good hitter. Obviously, he is a highly touted prospect, so you know that there's a pedigree and a background. Uh, I don't know what else we can add to this except for the fact that Devers is on the right track now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of – it was going to hurt hard in a 60-game season, but a lot of people pointed out he kind of did the same thing last year. He started really slow, and then everything turned on, and he ended up having a career year. So I think that you know, in the 60-game season, there hasn't been as much time for him to turn it on. But he's been great of late, and I think he's actually, again, I was looking, looking at the player rater. He's sixth-rated third baseman, according to ESPN. So, I mean, that's he's gotten back to where he was. He's gotten back to what you drafted him for, what you wanted him for, if not even better. I mean, so mm -hmm. I think as an owner, you can't be too upset. Yeah, and if you're a J.D. Martinez owner, you can't say the same thing because he's been stinking <laughs> up the joint still. He struck out three more times last night. He's hitting 211. I mean, that is just not J.D. Martinez at all. That's the no. guy that we used to know before he made the adjustments he made when he broke out in Detroit back in yeah. 2014. So it does. So it can go both ways. It doesn't have to just stay good forever. It could yeah. stay bad forever. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I, I liked Martinez a lot. Um, it's It's unfortunate to see a guy like him struggle this much. Yeah, maybe he's bummed out. You know, the team sold everything. They're rebuilding. Yeah. Who knows? I, I mean, because he's trying everything and it's not working. So. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he's one of the guys that's uh, that's discussed not being able to to watch video between at bats. But the other guy that said something about that was Nelson Cruz, and it doesn't seem to be hurting him very much. So I don't know how much how much I want to buy into Martinez kind of blaming that. Yeah, that's a pulls a hole in your argument yeah. there, JD. Sorry. Yeah. Um, he had a teammate who struck out three times as well. So there was actually three guys on the Red Sox who all struck out three times oh last God. night, if you include Yairo Munoz. However, Bobby Dalbeck, who struck out three times, one time hit he didn't strike out. It was another home run. So he has six home runs in his first 10 games. Everybody knows Bobby Dalbeck strikes. If you don't know, Bobby <laughs> Dalbeck strikes out a lot, yeah. a lot. He's at a 45% clip, and uh, it's either home run. He's a true outcome guy right now. It's just... Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what we're looking at here. But uh, what do you think of Dahlbeck? Uh, I think you were kind of, if I recall when he came up, you mentioned on Twitter, you were like, yeah, he's all right. You're not that high on him, but uh, he's serviceable. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's doing exactly what you expected him to do. And and right now he's hitting well enough that the strikeouts don't really matter. I mean, three strikeouts and a home run in a day. He's got 
six already. He's hitting like 270. So like it, it, every time he makes contact, it's loud and it goes far. Um, it's just making contact. That's the problem. And guys like this, they can be successful, but then they can just, the bottom can drop out. And I was actually curious to see how pitchers were pitching him. I mean, they've thrown 35% breaking balls to him and he has a 50% whiff rate on those breaking balls, but he also has a like almost 400 expected Woba. So like when he makes, it doesn't matter what kind of pitch it is. He makes contact. It goes far. It's just making contact that he can't always do. Um, You know, we see guys with this profile, like, Ryan Schimpf was out of the league after, you know, tearing it up for a year. Oh, yeah. um, and he just never got another chance. And um, I think when I originally, when I originally talked about it on Twitter, I think I, I said kind of like a, a Scott uh, Scheffler type thing or whatever his name was. Um, the, old, oh, the old God, Reds Schepler? guy. Yeah, Scheffler. That's his name. Uh, yeah, the Reds guy, you know, he ton ton of power, came up, hit a ton of home runs. But, you know, then he just couldn't make enough contact. And sometimes you can't make any contact and you can't do anything. So. I'm worried about Dahlbeck, but I'm going to take him for the rest. If if he's available, I'm going to pick him up for the rest of the year because what he's doing right now is incredible. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's an interesting comp. Yeah, I like that. Dahlbeck does have power to all fields, so he can. Yeah. he's not just a pole hitter. He'll hit it all over. Um, Dahlbeck! I like that name, too. It's just kind of fun to say. It's great for Boston. That Boston accent really. Uh, yeah, if I, if I could. Can you do one? You I one. cannot do a Boston accent, but it's great <laughs> no, I, for a Boston accent. <laughs> It is, yeah. Neither of us can do that. I'm a Midwest boy, so I don't know anything about Boston accents, and I'm going to keep it that way. Uh, no offense to you, Boston. We love you. Big fans of you here. Uh, I, I did want to mention that uh, the fish bounced back. They got rolled by the Braves. By the way, I'm sure you saw that, Paul, the 2099 uh, destruction of Miami, but they bounced back, and they got a victory, so kudos to them. They exploited Brandon Workman, who's the new closer in Philly. They traded for a couple weeks back. Um, you know, Brandon Workman and Hector Neris, there could be an issue here because Workman has not been ideal. Um, uh, anything on Brandon Workman that we should take note of, or is sometimes when you're a closer, you're just gonna blow it? I think that uh it's it's kind of a little bit of that. I mean, he, he was kind of a breakout star last year, and it was a little bit of playing with fire. Like he wasn't, you know, what a lot of walks, things like that. He's he's not exactly an elite, elite closer. I, I was liking him a lot because his, his price was relatively cheap, but I don't know what they do in Philly, but it does not matter who they put out of that bullpen. They can't do it. They can't get anyone out. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. I don't know. They what, change managers and everything. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I, I don't know what the issue is. I don't know why they can't pitch, but their bullpen is just terrific. And I mean, I like Naris, um, and I think he's actually the better pitcher of the two, but I, I, I yeah, I, I, I like, but those guys with splitters, their their profiles are really uh, risky. Sometimes it's there, and some days it's just they get absolutely blown up. So, I mean, I would like to see Naris get that job again, but as a guy who owns Workman in a few places, I'm kind of hoping they keep running him out there. Yeah, he did get a save the other day, but that was when Workman had already worked the nine. Yeah, training affair. But uh, yep. you know, Nar- Naris was a huge buzzkill. I picked him up. Yeah. About two weeks into the season, I was like, "All right, Naris is the guy. Philly's going to get some wins," and it didn't. Obviously, yeah. he got screwed. I mean, I remember that play against the Orioles. Oh my god, yeah, you remember the that pop-up, play? The pop up, right? That yeah. Nobody, it just dropped, and it's yeah. a bunch. Oh god, I hate the way that that's an earned run, but that's <laughs> that's a different argument. Yes, hey, you preaching the choir on that one. That pissed me off. Yeah. But hey, I digress. <laughs> uh, give credit where credit's due. And if you drop a pop up, someone scores, and someone's yeah. got to pay the price. Yeah. 
The Cubs. How about the Cubs scored eight runs? That's unheard of for this Cubs offense. God awful offense, but they scored eight runs and they got to Sonny Gray enough to make Sonny Gray look human. Uh, it's not the first time it's happened this season. Sonny Gray, is he more valuable or less valuable than Jack Flaherty? Ooh, um, I think I. Wow. So rest of one, huh? yeah, that's a tough one. Rest right of season, now, I'll, I'll take Sonny Gray. Um, next year in drafts, I don't know exactly where I'm going to be, but I'll, I'll take Sonny Gray just because he's been b- before the last couple starts. He's been pretty much unhittable. Um, the the only thing is that Reds talk about the Cubs lineup, but that Reds lineup is somehow even worse. Um, they they can't really score a ton of runs. I mean, I have uh, Luis Castillo in a bunch of places, and he's got you know no wins or one win or whatever it is, just because he's been. Like he's got no run support, nothing behind him to help him. But I think I'd rather take Gray rest of season. Flaherty, I want to, I want to see how it, uh, how the season ends up. But I think Flaherty ends up going before Gray in drafts next year. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Wilson Contreras broke out four for four day. They desperately needed that. So the and Nico Horner showing life. Uh, he's a first round pick again. A guy yeah. who's got the pedigree. Uh, he drove in three runs and he stole a base. So he's a double threat guy. I'm curious between uh this is off. Yeah. Just kind of out of the blue here. But Andre Jimenez, the Mets shortstop. Yes. Who's taken over Ahmed Rosario's job. Uh would you rather have Ahmed or not Ahmed? Would you rather have Jimenez or Horner right now? What do you think? Ooh. What do you think? Is there a similarity there? They both can get on base, steal bases, yeah. they're defenders, they're they're pesky hitters in a sense. Um I, think I don't I know want uh, long term. Yeah. You do. You do. I, I think I do. Um, I think one of the things with uh, with the I mean, both teams kind of have it going on, but the Cubs have so many players that can play those positions that I just don't think that I think Jimenez is more of a shot at regular ABs. So I think I want to take the, that chance. I think Horner might have a little bit more pop than Jimenez, not necessarily a ton, but I mean, and the Mets seem to be allowing Jimenez to run as much as he wants. I mean, when he first came up, he was like, before uh before I think he got you know before the Mets got shut down for that weekend or he COVID, lost his yeah. job yeah I think he was like leading the league in steals or something like that like and it was only in like two weeks of being up so I think that I, I'd much rather him right now and I do kind of like that Mets lineup a little bit better so I think that there's a little bit better of a better of a surrounding cast for Jimenez. Mets lineup's fun. This is where uh, Matt Williams would love to chime in about Jimenez. I'm sure he has talked him up and he's been a yeah. fan of his and Matt, you know, Matt knows his Mets obviously, but the Mets yeah. are great. They are a great offense. So it's the yeah, pitching. Their offense is really good. Being, the relief pitching in particular ends up being yeah. a, a nightmare for them. Yeah. Uh, similar to the Cubs in a sense, in a certain sense. Yeah. Chris Paddock and Dustin may both left their starts yesterday. Um, it's disappointing. It's a bummer. Paddock's been a mess all year. It's been up and down uh, Dustin may, you know, we're, we, we've been liking what we've been seeing from him at times. People get hurt, though. It's part of the game. Yeah. What do you do here? You just got to you just gotta monitor the situation. Uh, Paddock, you've talked a lot about Paddock. So yeah. what's going on with Paddock beyond the injury? So with him, and a few people have pointed out, I think you know Saris may have as well, but he, he seems to not be getting behind the fastball as well. So last year's fastball had a decent amount of vertical break. It's pretty much non, non-existent now compared to other similar fastballs. So one of the big things that um, I prefer with fastballs is vertical break to horizontal. And 
and May is kind of the opposite, right? May, May throws those like wiffle ball looking fastballs that <laughs> make hitters look really dumb. Um, but with Paddock, you know, the, the vertical break is a big part of it because if you think about a swing path, ball moving up and down is going to miss a bat where a ball moving side to side, you know, the, they're still bat to the side. So you can still make contact <laughs> if, if the ball moves side to side. So um, Paddock just right now, it seems like it's a little bit of a mechanical thing with how he's releasing his fastball. But it's definitely his injury is more concerning to me than May's because Paddock, you know, it was his velocity was down. He he was uh, he didn't look as good early on in this game. And then they kind of took him out where May got hit by a comebacker. So I think that while you're in wait and see mode with both guys, I'd definitely be more concerned as a Paddock owner. All right. That's true. That's an important distinction to note. No doubt about it. Uh, by the way, uh, Corey Seager quietly hit his 12th home run of the season in this game. Corey Seager's been really good. He deserves credit for that. He's kind of not been talked about as much as other players, so wanted to mention that. And uh, Madison Bumgarner made his return, and he pitched so-so in his return. Five innings, a couple couple earned runs, but there were some walks and plenty of hits. So uh, Bumgarner, I assume, is somebody that you are not interested in whatsoever, right? No, nah, I, I haven't really been interested in him in a while. Once the once the case kind of started to go away, he's he's not as valuable. Yeah, yeah, we might have seen the best we ever saw, and he was amazing. He was a great, great playoff pitcher. I mean, he's another guy that's been around forever. <laughs> yeah, and he's only thirty. Yeah, yeah. it's it's going to be around for a while with that five year yeah. contract. So. Yeah. <laughs> Get used to this. I don't know. Yeah, seriously. Like, good luck with that one. Um, <laughs> you know, you 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 signed Bob Garner for five years, eighty five million, but then you won't pick up a twelve and a half million dollar option on Starling Marte. So yeah, I, I don't, don't get know. that. But yeah, it does. Yeah, they got Caleb good. Smith out of it, so they did. And uh, speaking of Caleb Smith, I was going to rotate into that. Nice segue, Paul. Very good. Look at you. Talk Fab bids. So we got the weekend coming up here, and those of you that play in weekly leagues, you're generally spending your Fab bucks on Sunday nights. Getting in those bids this week. There's some interesting names. I I mentioned Nico Horner. He could be a guy that's available, and he could be a useful player. Uh, Cole Hamels is very close to returning for the Braves, and with the Braves losing Tommy Malone, he's down now. <laughs> it's unbelievable. They've they've had this season has really screwed up their rotation, and I do yeah. blame the season on some of those injuries, not all of them, but maybe the stroke injury. Um, yeah, I, you know, we can't prove that, but Hamels. If he's healthy, yeah. he's finally over the triceps issue. That's a guy I like. Uh, anybody else you're into for uh, fab bids this weekend? Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of briefly mentioned it, but I, I want to see what uh, Caleb Smith does. He goes tonight, I believe, for his first game finally back. What I was reading was that he was up to about 70 or 80 pitches at their alternate site. So it doesn't seem like they're going to have any restrictions on him. Uh, he's a pitcher that I've always really liked. Um, not really sure if the move out of uh, Miami is going to hurt him because – that park was pretty good for pitching and he definitely has some home run and walk issues. So I'm interested to see how he looks, but he is probably available in almost every league. Cause I doubt a lot of owners held him for as long as he was out. So he's a guy I definitely would be looking at. Uh, Trevor Rogers is another guy who's going tonight, I believe. So we'll see how he plays on Friday night, but he had a 10 strikeout performance at the beginning of the week. And a lot of people were like, Whoa, this is exciting. Yeah. So I'm sure there'll be fab bids for him. Well, Maybe regardless, but maybe they'll be cheaper depending on if it goes well for him tonight. Uh, any thoughts on Mr. Trevor Rogers of the Miami Marlins? Yeah, so I mean, he doesn't have a huge um, track record this season. So I, so I looked at it a little bit. He's locating pretty well for uh, getting whiffs. But as we talked about before, that doesn't necessarily bode well for locating for, you know, Woba and contact. So there's definitely some 
some risk there being left-handed, but I think, and you know, that left-handed is interesting always. So I, um, I definitely am interested and I actually want to watch him throw more. I don't think I've really, really sat down and watched him throw yet, but he's definitely a guy that if he throws well, I'll be, I'll be putting some bids on. Yeah, me too. I, I have not seen much of him myself, but uh, you know, a 10 strikeout performance is a 10 strikeout performance, and it definitely warrants further viewing. 100%. All right, well, we're going to wrap up the show here. This is the morning relay for Friday. It's the weekend. I uh, hope everybody has a wonderful, lovely, easygoing weekend. Um, as we take a real quick look here for Friday, it looks like uh, Garrett Cole will try again. They got rained out yesterday, the Yankees and the O's, so Garrett Cole will try to bounce back. He's struggled with the O's a little bit, and he struggled with a lot of teams. Uh, Garrett Cole, what do, you, what do you see here? I mean, he's obviously still a really good pitcher, yeah. but um, I mean, maybe we're we're kind of looking at a guy that we thought would be the Jacob Degrom kind of rival, and he has not been that Degrom rival. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I think that the big thing for him, I think he's locating pretty similarly. I think he's actually, in a sense, locating a little bit better, but I just think that the results just aren't one hundred percent there and. I haven't um, I haven't looked at how his pitches are moving or anything like that because that was a big part of how how he improved when he was with Houston. But yeah, I think that he might be another guy who's kind of almost not playing victim to it. But like I think that the the ramp up and ramp down may have actually impacted him a little bit. Um, he might he just doesn't look sharp. I mean I, I watch a lot of Yankees games as a Yankee fan and just it just doesn't look like it did in Houston. Um, it doesn't look the same. The pitches don't seem to have the same jump, the same life. So. I think he just might not be on. I think he might just be going through a, a poor stretch here. Yeah, I uh, talked about this on the Quality Start uh, videos. You can watch Monday through Friday on rotofanatic.com. Yesterday's show, when he was supposed to pitch, but they got rained out. That is fastballs not getting nearly as much, the four-seamer. He's not getting as much whiffs as he got when he was yeah. in Houston last year. Now, Houston went last season. It was a very, very special season he had. He, yeah. he really earned that contract that he got based on that season. But uh, it looks like, uh, yeah, maybe if it's not the location, then maybe, I don't know, maybe there's movement issues and there's yeah. maybe more that needs to be diagnosed with his game. But overall, on Friday, anything else you're looking at, uh, excited to see, or any DFS plays at all? Anything standing out to you? I mean, I, I kind of already talked to him, but I guess the, the player I'm most excited to watch is Caleb Smith. But I, I, am a, I have been a big fan of his for a while, so I think, you know, seeing you're excited. him. excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> I love I love Caleb Smith. <laughs> I um I don't know what it is, but I just absolutely love the guy. So um I think that he reminds me of when I used to love Robbie Ray before he got extremely bad. So wow. you know when, when he was only walking you know four hitters per nine instead of ten or whatever. Yeah. Ray's Those doing are the right glory now. days. Yeah, <laughs> the glory days of Robbie Ray. Um, but I mean, I think uh, another guy that I want to watch is uh, Yusei Kikuchi, who I think has been a little bit uh, unlucky so far this season. I think that he's pitching. I think he's had some really bad outings, so it makes the numbers work look kind of like they did again last year. But I mean, the, the guy's been a lot better, and I think he's kind of showing us what a lot of people were excited about You know, when, when he first came over and he was really interesting. So I think he's one guy who's really been underperform or you know, unlucky and underperforming as a result of it. Uh, he was excellent last weekend in his start, yeah. uh, maybe yep. against the Rangers. Um, and also, our own Nathan Dockin pointed out last week on the show about him that he, his FIP, his defense was letting him yep. down. A massive disparity between the ERA and the FIP. So, yep. if that's going to balance out, and it already may have started last week, and then you're right, ride the ride the Kikuchi train, maybe rest of way. I I'm all for that. 
Yeah, I think his uh, his game logs have been either like really good, like last week was, or he's had some really bad blow ups against. I think like Houston's hit him around a few times. Like, I think most of the bad the bad numbers have come in in one at one game spurts and things like that. Interesting. All right, well, that's going to do it for the morning relay. This is the Friday show. We're off till Monday. We'll be back talking the weekend that was. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at MJ Govier. And, Paul, tell people where they can find you. What's going on with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pimamino Fantasy. Um, so that's really everything. I don't know who I'm writing up next week. Maybe Garrett Colt now that we talked about him. So. Yeah, it would be interesting. I know he's an elite pitcher anyways, but yeah. people want to know what's going on with him. And especially as we look to 2021 and we start to wrap up this season, we'll be looking towards the offseason and draft talk and all of that good stuff. But for now, we still have some fantasy titles to win, so I wish everybody the best. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Roto underscore Fanatic. Head to the website, read Paul's GPS report on Corbin Burns. Outstanding stuff. And don't forget Mike Carter's closing remarks this Sunday. We'll see everybody on Monday.